0: Listening to a message by Refuge Community Church. Refuge exists to glorify God by making disciples that shape their communities with the love of Jesus. Hey, what's up Refuge family? Um, we are in the book of Acts still. Uh, we just started two weeks ago doing Acts uh, chapter one, we finished through, and we're in Acts chapter two. Uh, now we're really getting to that point where the, the disciples have been waiting for it. And, I, and I'm so excited about this this sermon and, and the what I have been learning through it. So I hope you are too, but before we dive in, uh, I'd like to just take a moment to pray, kind of uh, just prepare my heart and and hopefully prepare yours as we listen, Father. Thank you so much for your Spirit that you gave us your Spirit. We are so blessed and so thankful that you have done this. That this uh, is is something that we can all take and and look forward to a future hope of something even more. And so I pray that as we are growing and learning today, as we're as we're listening and as I'm preaching, God, that I would preach your word and that they would hear only what it is that you needed them to hear and that it would pierce hearts and and change our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. So right now uh we're in the middle of this whole COVID nineteen uh pandemic. Obviously reason why we're doing all the shooting at home, filming at home and, and watching from home and stuff. Um, and, but the one thing that, that all of us are waiting for is that day when everything is just like totally safe. Not just like, oh, we can partially open this and we can partially open that and everything, you know, it's, it's okay, you can go, just stay six feet apart, keep your masks on. No, we're waiting for a day for it to be eradicated. We're looking for a day when, when like science is going to have a cure, right? Science is gonna have some vaccines or a cure or something. And the reality is that our culture and our world uh, looks to science in this way, this like, this, this, like science can fix all. And, and there is a reality, and I'm very, very thankful for, for these kinds of things, that God, that God has given humans uh, intelligence to come up with a, a cures and these kinds of things. But the reality is that, that oftentimes we have this like, hope for science to fix all. And, and I was thinking about the, 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 the extent that this goes to. I have friends that believe that one day uh, we are going to figure out through, uh, you know, through science, we're going to figure out how to eradicate death, how to cure, obviously. How, how to cure cancer, you know. Uh, we're gonna find ways to to deal with all the uh, the uh, brokenness in the world. There won't be wars or anything because we'll be intelligent enough to to share, and we'll be able. There will be enough resources for everybody because because science will fix all. And so there's this like one day experience that we're all looking forward to. It's this almost like heaven like picture of the future. No death. No no, uh, war, no, you know, all of it is done away with. There's this, like, one-day picture. And so uh, our, our, mess, our passage today is, like, uh, something that the Jews have been waiting for. It was their one-day uh, uh, news. Imagine if you got the news that today we have cured death, you know, like, that's the kind of news that they are getting, when, when we start to talk about the giving of the Holy Spirit. And so, this is how Luke portrays it. And there are three huge things taking place in the way that Luke tells the story. Uh, first, there is a covenant unveiled. Second, there are curses undone. And third, there is a commission unleashed. And these are my three points for today. Yes, there's a lot of alliteration. I hope that helps someone remember stuff. Hope it's not too cheesy. But there is a covenant unveiled, curses undone, and commission unleashed. And so we're going to be diving into that verses 1 through 3 first. Uh, So a covenant unveiled, we see that in verses 1 through 3. Let's go ahead and dive in. When the day of Pentecost had arrived... They were all together in one place, suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them this this uh, this giving of the Holy Spirit. Happens. Luke wants us to know it happens on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, Pentecost is simply—it's uh, the Greek word for uh, that they uh, that was used to talk about the feast of weeks. Uh, it was a day that celebrated the giving of the Mosaic covenant, the giving of the law. The day that Moses received the law from God, the and and the the Israelites were able to say yes to it. That it was a day when they had the the covenants that they'd be able to go, if we obey this, God's presence will remain with us. There is a promise of his presence through these covenants, and as long as we are obedient, we get to, we get to stay, Like God will stay with us in our camp near us. But there's a second thing that happens on, on the Feast of Weeks. The second thing is, is that the Israelites would bring their first fruits the, uh, of the wheat harvest. Now, the first fruit is simply the first uh, bits of stock that grow up. Like think of like if you had an apple tree and the first few apples that pop up. If you realize that God gave you those apples and you realize that those first few apples are proof that the rest of the tree is going to be filled with apples, there is like the first fruits are proof of a future harvest. And so, what what is happening is uh, is on the day that God that they that the Israelites are remembering, of the day that the Jews are remembering that they received this covenant that promised His presence, and on the day that they are remembering the first fruits that they are supposed to come and bring to God, because there's a promise of a great harvest coming. On the day when all of that is taking place, God is is kind of like turning things around. You see, no longer do they have to work to keep God's presence. They were thankful that his presence would come as long as they, they were obedient to this law. But something has happened when God sends his spirit on the day of Pentecost and the flames, the tongues, lay, tongues of fire, like on each one. What this represents is that they're no longer having to, to uh, they're no longer in a covenant that, that promises that if they do the right things, they get his presence. No, they just get his presence. On this day, they just get his presence. And so the presence of God fills them as individuals. They don't need a high priest to, to go into the temple on a yearly basis. They've got We've got Jesus now up in heaven in the greatest temple of all, the, the true temple. Jesus is in heaven representing us, and we get his immediate presence. There's no waiting for fulfillment of covenant. And so On the day of Pentecost, on the day they're celebrating a promise for His presence, as long as there's obedience, we just get His presence. And at the same time, on a day when they are supposed to be bringing their first fruits to God, God is giving His first fruit to them, His Holy Spirit. Think about this. The deposit of the Holy Spirit... In, in, in the apostles, in the, in the 120 people waiting around in that room, the, 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 uh, the giving of the Spirit in this time is like the first fruit of a great harvest. And in fact, this is what, uh, what Paul says in Romans 8.28 when he talks about the giving of the Spirit as a first fruit that all of us who received His Spirit, uh, there's more to come. There are more humans that are going to be saved. There are more people that God is wanting to reach. There is a great harvest coming. And so when they received the gift of the Spirit, it it was the first fruits. But there's more to come. And in fact, not only is the Spirit a a guarantee for, for more people to come, but all of creation is being rescued. And in the end, all of creation is waiting and groaning. And in the end... All of creation will be rescued. And so this is the beauty. This first fruit that's given is a picture that that one day, uh, that one day scenario that the Jews have been waiting for, this is the day that it began. This is the day that it began. It's the first fruit of that harvest that's coming. Um, back this, this last uh, Valentine's Day, I uh, instead of giving Kayla flowers, I gave her chocolates and and a few other things. And, but instead of giving her flowers, I gave her some tulip bulbs so that we could plant them and and work and water them and grow them together. Uh, and there's this this sense of like, man, like no, I didn't give her flowers. I actually didn't give her flowers. I gave her promise of flowers, and and so we've taken those bulbs, we've planted them, we've put them out in the sun on a daily basis, make sure there's not getting too much sun, and watered them on a weekly basis, trying to take care of these bulbs. And to be honest, for the first month, we didn't see anything anything popping up against above the soil, and so there's like in me, I'm like, man, I like. I was all excited about giving her this gift. I thought it was like a romantic gesture, you know, like, oh, she's going to have flowers and we get to grow them together, you know, all that. And, and I'm like, man, there's nothing happening here. And it, it's so easy to look at those bulbs and say, is anything coming? But then in the last month, we've seen growth. The stalk has gotten, you know, that big and then they're now that big. Now we're starting to see a little bit of growth. There's no flowers yet, but there's a stalk growing. And And so what we have is this, these, the bulbs were the promise of this future harvest that's coming, these future flowers. And, and so, the church on the day of Pentecost is experiencing this like bulb-giving moment. It, it's not fully there yet. The, the one-day moment that, that ha, is coming, it's, it's on its way, but it's not fully there yet. But the reality is that even you as an individual, we, I have received the Holy Spirit. When you trust in Jesus, He gives you His Spirit. So you have this Pentecost experience too. You have this deposit in you as well. And I think a lot of us can look around and and, and look at our lives and go, where is is the fruit of, of the Spirit in me? Why am I not... Uh, why do I not feel like things are changing for me? Why do I keep on messing up? Why do I keep on yelling at my wife or whatever? Like I want to be better and I want to grow. And the giving of the Holy Spirit is the promise of future fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so when I look at the fights with my wife when we first started, you know, when we first got married uh, to now, there has been growth. And I can look at that and say, man, it doesn't seem like much because the, the flower's not blooming, you know, the fruit's not all there. But there is a stalk, there is growth. And so I would encourage you, man, look at the little bit of growth that you see in your life. Look at, look at how God has helped you to love your wife or your husband uh, better. Look at how, God, how that, that fruit growing in you has enabled you to have a little bit more patience with your children. Look at how that fruit has helped you to love your neighbors better. You know, like there's actually something growing. It may not be the full flower yet, but there is a stock growing and it's a promise of a future harvest. One day things will be right and one day we will love and have peace and there will be like a perfected fruit of the Spirit, the full harvest in our lives. And so we can look forward to that. But this uh, this giving of the Holy Spirit uh, is more than just some like random cool experience that Luke ex- is explaining here. Uh, it's the unveiling, like I said, of a new covenant. And uh, we see this covenant mentioned in Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36. There's other places in the Old Testament where it mentions this coming of this new covenant that they're waiting for. But I want to check out Ezekiel 36 verses 24 through 27. It says this, for I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries, and I will bring you into your own land. Like, this is actually happening because on the Feast of Weeks, they're all coming into Jerusalem from many different places, as we are reading and we will see in verse 5. But, I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances." He places his spirit within us in order to help us begin to, to live and walk in relationship with him. And though we don't do it perfectly, the beautiful thing is that our high priest has done it perfectly. He fulfilled the entire law. And so we can, we can rest in his holiness and his righteousness. Jesus uh, came and he lived this whole thing out. He fulfilled the entire covenant on our behalf. And he, and when he goes to the cross, he grow, he goes to take our sins, our consequent, all the consequences of sins, all of it upon himself. Takes it to the grave. And when he rises, he rises victorious over sin and over death. And he invites you into this covenant where all all of the Mosaic covenant is fulfilled. Where we're not waiting. Um. Uh, where we're not going. You know, man. One, I, I just running away from God constantly, but His Spirit continuing to pull us in, draw us in, keep us near. And so we have this beautiful promise. And if you have not received enter or entered into this covenant yet, I would encourage you, man, this is the time. Understand that the Spirit of God has come. The day of Pentecost has arrived. The one-day moment is here. The thing that you are all looking for, the thing that all of humanity is waiting for, has already begun because of God's Spirit. And so I would encourage you, trust in Jesus today. Receive the deposit, that first fruit of His Holy Spirit, and trust and know that one day you will be made right, that all things will be made right, and you will get to participate in it because you trusted in Jesus. But... Maybe you've already trusted in Jesus, you've already entered the new covenant, and, and for you, you just need to be encouraged. Remember, uh, remember the growth. Look back and see what God has done in your life. There is hope to come. When you see those little bits uh, of growth in your life, let it fill you with hope that there is a day coming when all things will be made right. I know a lot of us are waiting for that day right now. A lot of us are want that day right now. But there is fruit growing, and we can trust that God is at work. And you can look at those little bits of growth in your life, and you can go, man, I know that God did something in me, and I know that he's going to complete his work in me. So Luke clearly desires us to see that the long-awaited new covenant is unveiled, but we also see that the curses are undone. The curses are undone. We're going to read verses 4 through 11. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak to uh, began to speak in different tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were there. Uh, now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this uh, when this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. They were. All astounded and amazed, saying, "Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native tongue? Parthians, Medes, uh, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, uh, in Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and uh, and Cretans and Arabs? We hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues." Now. Uh, before I dive into this section i 'm not going to answer all your questions about tongues. In fact, Luke is not trying to answer all your questions about tongues. I know if if you have you 're like man that's that 's one of those weird things that we hear about in different churches. Uh, I grew up in the charismatic church I know i have i 've had a lot of my own questions, but uh we 're not going to be answering all your questions about tongues, but I believe that Luke has a very important point to make here. About with the giving of tongues, and so we're going to dive into what he's actually saying about it, and, uh, and if you would love to, like to talk about that later, we could, I would love to talk with anybody, anybody about that. Email me, text me, uh, whatever, but what we're going to dive into what Luke is actually saying. And so the New Covenant um, undoes all the consequences of sin. And there are two major results, uh, major results of the consequence of sin from the beginning in Adam and Eve. When our first parents, uh, Adam and Eve, sinned for the first time, uh, this sin resulted in a broken relationship with God and a broken relationship with others. These are the two major things that happened, which also resulted in further curses. See, a result uh, the result of a, a broken relationship with God is it means that there's a break in the relationship, means that there's distance, and you're distant from God, you're distant from the life giving presence of God. And so, uh, so the, what happened is the, the curse is death, the end result is death. So, we're separated from God, but we're also separated from one another. You know, in both situations, uh, Adam and Eve h- hide from one another, and then they hide from God, and so this hiding from one another also turns out to be the, the broken relationships between humanity uh, be, be, turns into violence, uh, murder, and in the end, God has to, like, start over uh, with humanity, starting over with with Moses, and, and when he does that, uh, you know, there's this like second chance, and even with the second chance, the the relationships between humans, uh, you know, is still broken. And so even when they begin to work together, uh, we have this story of the Tower of Babel, where all of a sudden they're working together, but they're working together to achieve like a god likeness. Like they want a tower that reaches the heavens so they can have a name for themselves, uh, because they want their group to be better than those groups. And so what what sin did is it broke our relationship with God. It's like a brokenness between us and the life-giving presence of God. It's a brokenness it's between it's between us and one another and and in fact it creates the me versus you and the us versus them mentality. And so sin just like absolutely destroys everything and opens up these curses and and so In in the Tower of Babel, the the big curses they were they all had one language at this time, and so when God curses them, he separates them and he gives them separate languages. And so what he does is he says, "Look, y'all y'all need to separate y'all. When y'all come together, you only come together to do evil against me and against others. So you got this like superiority complex." And and so what we see when God gives His Spirit in Acts two is they receive these languages. And I believe this is a very clear picture of a reversal of of the curse of Babel. Now, the curse of death. We've already talked about how, uh, in the giving of the Spirit, we received His presence. So we have His life dwelling in us. That curse of the curse of death is undone. And in the future, we will have a future resurrected body, and death is done away with. So clearly that. The uh, the curse of death is is done away with. We've already dealt with that a little bit, but here we see even these languages given, and this is like a what this is communicating is that the broken relationships that said me versus you or us versus them can be done away with now because God's spirit was given to them in a way that unifies all people, in a way that that unifies all people. The thing about it is that God didn't give them. Uh, restore to them, like, the original language. Didn't give them, like, a single language that everybody would understand and hear. It wasn't like all these people from all these different countries all over the world are hearing uh, this language, and all of a sudden, they're understanding a single language. No, God gives them all these separate languages. God gives them all these separate languages, and in these multiple languages, they are all declaring the magnificent acts of God. The the magnificent acts of God. God's intent from the beginning, God's plan was not to just fill the garden. God didn't tell Adam and Eve, fill this garden, uh, be fruitful, multiply, fill the garden. No, He said to these people who were bearing His likeness and His image, He said, fill the whole earth. Now, if they had only filled the garden, they would have a homogenous culture. We create culture based you know, like based on those around us. But if they actually did what God told them to do, where he told them to go fill the earth, fill the earth with his likeness and his image, go and fill the earth, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, There would have inevitably been different cultural expressions all over, but what they would have been expressing is not violence, arrogance, and selfishness and us versus them. They would have been expressing the magnificent declaring, the magnificent acts of God. They would have been the image and the likeness of God and the way they were created to be, but his beauty would be expressed in a diverse way beautiful way. This was God's original intent from the very beginning. And so when he gives them all these languages, what he's saying is that thing that we're waiting for was not like a homogenous group of people to worship God in the exact same way, but to worship God in all these beautiful ways. Because that God can only uh, cannot God's likeness and image cannot only be expressed in in my uh, white male middle lower class uh, version of humanity. God needs to, God's, to be able to understand God's likeness and image. We need all of the beautiful expressions. And so when we look at the churches across, uh, across the world, when we see right today, we, there's, there are churches in, in India, in China, South America, in Russia, there are churches everywhere worshiping God with their own cultural expressions their own beautiful uh, singing, their own beautiful languages, their own beautiful uh, food. Many times they come together and they may eat together. There are their own cultural expressions and we are all doing the same thing though, declaring the magnificent acts of God. We are unified because of God's spirit and that is what's happening with the giving of tongues when they're proclaiming all these magnificent acts and all these tongues. It's the reversal of the curse of Babel. It's the undoing of that curse. And we see that this is—we know that this is God's intent because the end of the story ends just like this in the Bible. Revelation—we uh, see this in, in Revelation seven verses nine through uh, nine through ten. He says this: After this, I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe. People and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. This is what the Spirit does for us. It undoes the curse so that every culture all over can express the beauty of God in their own ways because. Man, I'm telling you, God's, God's beauty is far beyond my ability to express His goodness, His likeness, His image. We all participate in this expression. And so this is the beauty, and this is what the local church should be as much as possible. It should be a diverse expression uh, of God's beauty and goodness. Man, and and I hope that as our church continues, we would begin to uh, we would do things that the, the churches both Josh and I came from, where we would sing in different languages and read the scriptures in different languages. This is what we're we're looking forward to this day when God's uh, when humanity expresses the likeness and image of God in all these diverse ways, but we're all unified in our act of proclaiming the magnificent acts of God of, of glorifying our God. That is the purpose of the giving of tongues. And the way that Luke does this is this like this un- undoing of the curse. God is creating a diverse people unified by his spirit. But the undoing of these curses also has one other major implication. In fact, uh, the implication is, is the actual purpose of the outpouring of the spirit. What I've said up till now, dealing with the significance of the way that Luke describes the outpouring of the Spirit, uh, it, it, but it, it it that's what it's done, you know, so far is to describe that significance. But there's a reason why all this is happening, and it goes far beyond just like saying, "Hey, this is significant." There's a purpose behind the giving of the Spirit, and we learned about that purpose back in Acts 1.8. So it goes beyond just a covenant unveiled and curses uh, undone. It goes into the idea of a commission unleashed, a commission unleashed, and so... Um, because I've already read uh, our verses for today, there's actually one extra verse I want to put in there, and that's Acts 1-8. I want to go back and look at it and go, what is happening in Acts 2, 1-11? through What's happening is what was promised in Acts 1-8. So let's read Acts 1-8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Our passage today is where the Great Commission is unleashed. They would receive power to be his witnesses. The goal of of receiving the Spirit is not just about me having more power to be able to do more spiritual awesome stuff, right? The goal is so that I might be able to be a witness to others, we are empowered to be witnesses. And the Jews, they weren't just, and these first apostles weren't just uh, uh, given this, this power to be a blessing to the Jews. It was to be to go to the ends of the earth, to the entire world, to fill the entire earth with his likeness and with his image. That's, that's what's happening. And so, you know, these, these new languages... Uh, create this uni- unity. It makes it possible to be unified with people across the world. This is why we can worship with those in China and be separate and be have different languages because God has empowered us to be witnesses, not just to our people around us in our little sphere, but to go beyond our own boundaries. And that is exactly what happened with the apostles. They're given these languages and the expectation is that you're, you're going to use these languages. You're going to go out and you're going to share the gospel and people's lives are going to be changed and, and the message of, of this one-day experience that has already come, that that would be able to to spread to the entire world. And so this commission is unleashed. And in reality, the original commission is made possible through this. They're empowered to be witnesses to all of creation, right? And the original commission was be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. How could they fill the earth with God's likeness and image if they had distorted it with sin? We were unable to do it, and now with the giving of the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to be God's witnesses to all of creation and to fill the earth with, with image-bearing, uh, image-bearers, you know, and, and you know, multiplying image-bearers all throughout the world. Like That's the beauty of what we're able to do with the gospel. It's not just a, a reconnection to God or one another, right? Like, it's not just that, like, I, now I have this great cool gift. I can speak in another language randomly or something like that. That's not the point of this. The point of this is so that we might fill the earth with His likeness and His image. It's not just some kind of individualistic thing where I gain some kind of like notoriety, it's about others. That is the point of this whole gift. If if your gift only gives you some sort of like pride about what you have, you like that is that's probably not a gift of the spirit. I would encourage you to think about what God has given you and and all the gifts that we have. Whether it's whether it's a, like a a crazy miraculous gift like the gift of tongues, or, or whether it's like the fruit of the spirit growing within you. Uh, like think about the things that you are able to do, the the gifts that God's given you, the passions that He's given you, and and ask yourself. are those those things that you're using for His glory, to be His witnesses unto the end of the earth. Walk in the calling that we've been given. Realize that the Spirit that's been given to you has been given to you for a purpose. It's beyond just selfish gain. It's about going out and caring for others. That that one-day scenario is finally here. The new covenant has been unveiled, the curses have been undone, and the great commission has been unleashed. We now have this direct access to God, His life-giving presence, and we can now offer that same uh, access to the entire world. I'm going to close out with this. Let us take some time uh, during our final worship song uh, to search our hearts, and maybe do this throughout the week as well. But I have three questions. What kind of spiritual growth have you experienced since you entered the New Covenant? Look back. I just think it's important that we reflect on the growth. There is growth happening in you. There is growth happening in you. Reflect on it. Be thankful for that. Second of all, God desires for us to uh, remain connected even during uh, a season of like quarantine and, and social distancing. So how have you done in staying connected uh, with other believers during this season? I mean... The whole point of giving of the spirit is to unify us. What are you doing to stay unified? If you're not involved in a community group, we go, we gotta do that, man. We need to be involved in a community group. If you're not reaching out to people, reach out to someone in our church, like connect with someone. Uh, you know, Marco Polo, someone, text someone, whatever. We need to stay connected. But then, the, and but the last thing is, uh, while the whole world might be practicing social distancing. God can use that perceived barrier just the same way he used the, the barrier of language. He can overcome the barrier uh, of social distancing and the way he overcame the barrier of language. Uh, I, I'm not saying go and, and just walk over there and be like, "Yeah, you're going to be fine. What I'm saying is, like, let's get creative and ask God to give us ideas. The Spirit can enable us and give us creative ideas to go and share the gospel with people in some way. Whether like whether it has to do with the way you live your life, the way you love, the way you care for... The, the people around us might be able to see our habits. They might see, you know, you playing with your kids out front and actually see a, a healthy interaction with children. Maybe they would see, uh, hear you, overhear you from, uh, from a distance, you know. Or maybe you can wave and say, hello from a distance. Maybe you can write a little note and put it on someone's door and encourage someone. I would I would say, do what you can uh, and ask the Holy Spirit to give you uh, ways to overcome these barriers because he can do it. He has empowered us to be his witnesses, even in the midst of social distancing. And so I'm going to close out with prayer. And then after that, I'll come back and uh, we'll have a time of worship. And then I'll come back and I'll give the benediction. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your presence. God, help us to, be, to live in the new covenant in the way you've called us to, to enjoy your presence, to truly uh, and offer your presence to others, to stay connected to other believers, knowing that the curses have been undone. Thank you, God, for your deposit that will one day bring uh, a future harvest. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for your deposit. Thank you for the first fruits of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. This message encourages you and strengthens your faith.